Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. Before we get into that message, we want to remind you about just a couple of things. First off, if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here at the Cersei campus, text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information about what's going on here at our local campus, and you can give online there as well. You can also get connected to life groups and so much more just by texting Cersei to 88000. Now get your Bible apps ready and prepare to hear a great word today. Wow, thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm going to tell you what, I don't think I'm going back to Russellville. You guys have been so good to me here in Cersei, and so thank you. Uh, thank you for that introduction, Craig, and also thank you for reminding me of uh, the brutal loss that happened over the weekend. You know, I came actually to Cersei uh, because I wanted to see if Kevin could help me and counsel me a little bit, because I know he has a lot of experience with his, his team, his favorite team, losing a lot. So, oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong foot. I'm sorry. I got to repent. No, I'm just, but honestly, hey, I really am thankful, uh, blessed, and honored to be with you today. And I got to tell you, uh, from being here this morning, you guys have just the most incredible pastors, uh, and Kevin and Craig, uh, they're just incredible people. Them and their wives, they do an incredible job here. Do you love your pastors? Come on, can we give it up for them real quick here? Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. And as Craig said, my name is Caleb. Uh, I am from the Russellville campus. Uh, my wife and I, we're just part of the team, and we have a little three-year-old daughter uh, named Naomi, and she is definitely a daddy's girl, so my wife's not here to refute that, so you'll just go along with it. But uh, I'm really thankful to be here. You know, I'm thinking about, I was talking with Kevin, and I was like, Kevin, I don't, you're a doctor, you're a psychologist, you've got all these different degrees, I've barely got one degree, it took me nine years to get my one degree, and so I'm like, man, you're really setting your people up, I mean, just, uh, and so I was thinking about, you know, he's called a doctor, he's called a psychologist, he's a pastor, and I was trying to think about some, some names people or titles people have given me, and one of my favorites actually came from a time I was at a restaurant, my wife and I were celebrating our wedding anniversary, and we literally, I think, we ordered everything off the entire menu, and the chef was so impressed with our performance there that, that night that he came out himself to just to congratulate us. And he called me, he's like, man, you, you really are a foodie. And in the moment I was like, man, thank you. Like, oh, that's so kind of you. Yes, I am a foodie. That's a good way to put it. And then I got in the car and I was thinking about it and I was like, that's the nicest, kindest way ever, anyone's ever called me a fatty in my entire life. Like, like, well done, chef, <laughs> well done. So I am no psychologist, but I am a foodie. If you need recommendations on what to order at a restaurant, come holler at me afterwards. But anyways, uh, we've been in this Holy Spirit series. And I know I can say this from Russellville, it's been incredible to see what God has been doing throughout this series. And I come from more of a charismatic Pentecostal background. And so I said to say, when you say things and say words like the Holy Spirit, some people can get a little tense, uh, feel a little uncomfortable just based off of your background. And so what I want to do is before I get into what I'm going to talk about today, I do want to make some promises to you. Some promises of things that I won't do. And these are the kind of things that we've done in Russellville, and I think it's been really helpful. And so here are the three promises. Number one is things won't get spooky or weird today, okay? They already may have, but they won't get any more spooky or weird than they already have, okay? So number two is I'm not going to spend much time debating big theological ideas about the Holy Spirit. Really the heart and soul, I believe, of this series is that it would equip all of us to live every day with the Holy Spirit in mind. And at the end of this series, hopefully our prayer is that you'll know what it looks like, you'll learn what it looks like to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. And so what I wanna do is I wanna take you today to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And in this text, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit helps us in unity and diversity 
in the body. And so I want to break this down. We're going to start in verse 12. Paul says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I think it's interesting here that Paul is identifying, first of all, what is the source of our unity. I think all of us here today, we come from different backgrounds, we have different ideologies, all of these things, but we are all unified today. We've all gathered here this morning because we all have similar faith in Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, or maybe it's your first time and you're checking this out because you're wondering about that idea. But that's what brings us together. It's interesting too because the Bible calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. You read that a lot, talking about brothers and sisters. And I gotta be honest with you, I don't think unity really comes natural to us. I don't think it's something that we are born with. I think it's something that we have to learn and also be held accountable with. And this really makes a lot of sense when you think about your brother or sister. Anybody have siblings in the room? Okay, most of us have siblings in the room. Even though you share the same blood and the genetics, uh, it was really hard to be unified growing up. Uh, I had a younger sister and I gotta tell you, I was not unified with her. I was unified maybe in torturing her, but that was just about it. I mean, I feel so bad for my younger sister growing up. Uh, it was just, it was awful. But I'll tell you what, here's the things that I would not do. If my parents were like, hey, you know what, Caleb, I'm gonna buy you a really special gift. You deserve it today. My first response to that wasn't, you know what, mom and dad, thank you, first of all. And secondly, I think my sisters deserve a toy or a gift as well too. Heck no. And I definitely didn't go one step further and be like, when my parents actually gave me the gift, say, you know, this is really nice, but you know, I'm gonna go to my sister. This isn't mine, this is ours. I'm gonna equally share with all of my sisters. No, we didn't do that. And I'm guessing that many of you in this room didn't either because it's really hard to be unified. It can be difficult. And as a result, we need a glue or we need someone to hold us accountable. And I believe that's why Jesus provided us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the glue to our accountability. I love how John refers to the Holy Spirit. In the Gospel of John, he refers to him as the Spirit of truth. Even in our country today, it's just really difficult to be united. It seems like everywhere you go or everywhere you see on social media, people are divided. And the world has created almost like this standard that the only way you see unity is if you believe or correlate with someone else's opinion. But I just know that the reality and what the word of God teaches us is that what unifies us is not our opinions, but it's the truth. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Bible says that he will glorify Jesus. Jesus says it himself. The Holy Spirit has been here as parakletos, the Greek word for advocate or helper. He helps us with the world. So Christ is our helper before the Father and the Holy Spirit is our helper before the world. But everything the Holy Spirit speaks to us, guides us in, always leads us back to Jesus. It always leads us back to our relationship with him. And what Paul is teaching us here in these verses as we continue to read, is he's showing us how the spirit of truth, how the Holy Spirit helps us when it comes to unity and diversity in the body of Christ. And the first way that he does it is the Holy Spirit helps us, and this is a big one, combat comparison. The Holy Spirit helps us combat comparison. Let's see what Paul says in verses 15 through 20. He says, now if the foot should say, 
Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Listen to this. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul is addressing this idea that we oftentimes compare ourselves to one another. I don't know about you, but this is something that I battle with and I wrestle with every single day. Social media has only amplified the idea of comparison. As I scroll through news feeds and I scroll through social media, not just me as a person, but even within ministry, there are so many times I scroll through, I'm like, man, I wish I could preach or communicate like this pastor. I got a secret to tell y'all. I wish I could sing. I can't sing a lick. I mean, I can't sing at all. I always joke with our worship pastor back in Russellville. I said, hey, if you mute my mic, I'll bring the energy, man. I will bring the energy. That's all I got. But I can't sing. And so I'll even look at worship pastors like, oh, man, I wish I could sing. I wish I could do all of these things. And I even battled with this from the moment that I felt like I was, I, I was even born. My father, uh, Mark Pegley, he's the campus pastor at Russellville. He basically has been in ministry ever since I was born. And so it's all I've known. And what happened throughout the years of my life, the early years of my life, I would look at my father and I thought, man, I could never be him. I could never be the pastor, the man that he is. And so what happened is by comparing myself even to blood, I began to disqualify myself from who God called me to be because that's what comparison does. Comparison distorts, it confuses, and it even disqualifies us from what God has gifted and called each and every one of us to do. I see this happen all the time in the body of Christ within the church. People think, well, I, I can't communicate like Kevin, and I can't sing like David. David's an incredible singer. He has an incredible voice. I told him that too. I can't sing like David, so I guess I just don't belong. I guess I'm just supposed to just come and attend, and that's just it, because I don't belong to the body. But that couldn't be further from the truth. God has gifted you. He has called you. He has ordained you and created you with a special purpose and a special gift. You may not be able to communicate like Kevin, but he may not be able to nurture those little lifers like you can. And I think about it this way. I carry my earthly father's legacy, even with me as I stand here today, but I am called by my heavenly father and ordained by him. And it's something that each and every one of us have to remember because when we disqualify ourselves by comparison, it's like looking at our nose and wishing it was a foot. Just like Paul talks about. If the church was full of just preachers, we wouldn't get anything done. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. We wouldn't get, Kevin would agree. We wouldn't get anything done. No, man, we need hospitality personnel. We need sound operators, lighting. We need elementary and student leaders who are passionate about the next generation. We are the body of Christ. And for those of you who feel like you don't fit in, you're wrong. And you're being lied to. And as a result is that you're disqualifying yourself from what God wants to do in and through you. You know, I have a three-year-old and, and I always hear this saying is it takes a village to raise a kid. And really it takes a community of believers to create a healthy church. So if you hear anything this morning, man, stop comparing yourself to others and start embracing 
the way that God has created you. <clears throat> Number two is the Holy Spirit helps us celebrate others. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit helps us celebrate others. Look how Paul says it in verses 21 through 25. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Listen to this. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Just gonna be honest with you, I have, I've had a really long, hard time over the years celebrating other people, especially when they get rewarded, they get honored, or they're even blessed by God. You know, we do have a three-year-old, but my wife and I, we've been married for roughly eight years, almost nine years, going on nine years, and we got married. We got married later in life, and so we really wanted to have kids right away. And Man, we battled with infertility for five years. Uh, we had a few miscarriages, and it just seemed like every step of the way, every time we were trying to have a kid and gain some momentum, uh, it just wasn't happening for us. And there were many years where we really even struggled and wondered if we'd ever have kids of our own. And during that time, there were lots of married couple and people around us uh, that were just, that were getting pregnant. We would hear terms like, man, they must be the water. And I'm like, oh, I wish it was that easy. <laughs> just drink a water and have pregnant. It wasn't that easy for us. And so every time someone would get pregnant, it wasn't that I wasn't happy for them. They were receiving a gift from God, a child. I know you, some of you don't believe that today, but it's true. Those childs were, were a gift from God. And so it's like I wanted to celebrate them, but there was just like this pain almost that I felt in my heart every time. And I started to think about why is it so hard for me to celebrate a blessing from God? Why is it so hard for me to, to honor people that deserve it, that frankly deserve it? And really, if I get down to it in my heart, it was because I bought into the lie that every time somebody else got pregnant and not my wife and I, it was as if God loved them more than he loved me. It's as if God cared more about their situation than he cared about mine. And as a result, my wife and I both, we battled a lot with, with bitterness and res resentment and frustration, not towards others, but towards God. We felt like, God, man, we're serving you. We're, we're loving you. We're really working hard in our lives. All these things. Why isn't this happening for us? This is a desire. The Bible talks about being fruitful and multiply. And all of these things, and it was a true desire from heart. Why wasn't it happening? And I didn't find out until the moment I met my daughter. And I'll never forget her being born and meeting her for the first time. It was in that moment that I literally felt God say to me, was it not worth the wait? And I'm here to tell you that it was. I would wait a thousand years for my little girl. So during that time, it wasn't that God cared more, it's just that God had something special specifically designed for me. And that was my little girl, Naomi. Not only did he know that Naomi needed us, but he also knew that Brooke and I needed her. It was an area of our life that we were lacking. And I, looking back, I wish I would have had more faith. I wish I would have had more hope and more joy about this beautiful little girl coming our way. 
And that's why it's so important for us to celebrate others. Because when I had Naomi, I wanted people to celebrate with me. I wanted people to be excited about my little girl. And we have to remember that when God honors and blesses others, we should celebrate them the way we want to be celebrated when God honors us. And I want to speak for just a moment for those of you who are waiting on a promise from God. There's an area of your life you feel like you're lacking and you've been praying and you've been doing all the things that you feel like are necessary for God to come through and he hasn't yet. I want to tell you, don't wait in bitterness and resentment, but wait full of joy and hope. Be faithful, persevere. That's what the Bible teaches us to do. Because not only is God aware, but God also cares. And 1 Peter 5 tells us this, and this is a scripture that my wife and I, we fell back on so many times. It was such a good reminder. It says, humble yourselves. Peter says, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Man, if you hear nothing else this morning, just hear that God cares for you. And because God cares, because he loves you, that means he's aware of what's going on in your life. He knows the struggle. He knows the battle. So let's be patient. Let's be cheerfully expectant of what God is going to do. Number three is the Holy Spirit helps us discover our greater gift. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit helps us discover our greater gift. Listen to how Paul puts it in verses 27 through 31. He says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, and do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing, and do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now listen to what he says, how he lands. Now eagerly desire the greater gift. And in your notes, if you can, just underline that. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I love how Paul asks all these questions. Because there's not one person that I know that can do all of them. What he's pointing to is the diversity in the body of Christ. He's saying it's going to take more than one to even at times reach the one. You may be able to not teach or counsel like Kevin can, but you may be able to love and nurture the next generation. You may have an ability. You, I just talked to somebody today who's a major in computer science. We got all kinds of stuff happening with computers here today. God has gifted you and created you to help with that, to be a part of the body. It takes so much to make a difference in people's lives every single Sunday morning. And don't for one second believe the church doesn't need you. You know, my father, he, he's an incredible pastor. I always joke with people, but I'm actually being serious. In Russellville, as I say, hey, you don't want me to pastor. You want, my, you want, you want Pops to do it. So I, always, I literally will send him, because he has this incredible ability to encourage. You can walk into his office for five minutes and walk out and want to conquer the world, man. You just can't. But he would tell you that that gift didn't just happen like this. He didn't just wake up one day and say, God, I want to be able to pastor people, and it just happened. No, if he were here today, he would tell you that it started in a little Methodist church in Newcastle, Pennsylvania when he first gave his heart to the Lord, when he first realized that Jesus was his savior 
And he would tell you that in that moment, this passion, this hope, this joy filled his heart. That he had recognized for the first time in his life what Jesus really did for him. And as a result, he had this eagerness, this desire, not only to serve God, but to make sure as many people as he could would know who Jesus is. And it's one thing I can say about my dad is that above all else, he was always pointing people back to Jesus. And it was from that eagerness and that desire to serve God that it sent him on a journey where he discovered, hey, I know how to encourage people. I may not be able to run sound, may not be able to play worship, but I know how to encourage people. And what happened is the Holy Spirit led him to his greater gift. I gotta be real with you. I cannot stand speaking in front of people. I hate it. I always ran from it my entire life. For the first 25 years of my life, I'm not 25 anymore. I know I look like look it, but I'm not. But for the first 25 years of my life, man, I ran from communicating in front of people. I would come up with any excuse I could. Somebody would ask me, hey, you wanna speak, you wanna do that? I'm like, oh man, my pinky toe, it's like, it's like kind of weird. It's like tilted or something, I, I can't do it. I come up with any excuse possible to not do it until I rededicated my life to Christ and of all places in my parents' basement. And it was at that moment that I realized that every time I said no to someone, I wasn't saying no to them, I was actually saying no to God. Because they weren't calling me out, no, God was calling me out. And in that basement, I'll never forget how desperate I was. I had lived my life for so many years doing what I wanted to do, living life my way. And it was in that moment I realized how broken I was, how desperately I needed Jesus in my life. And when I rededicated, it just created this eagerness and desire in my heart. I didn't want to serve him because my dad or my parents or anyone was telling me to. I wanted to serve him because I realized how desperately I needed him. And it was from that moment I just started saying yes. To this day, I'm here in Cersei because I said yes. I'm here today. And if you can get past all this chubbiness and all my weird jokes and all of that stuff, I pray that the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And all I have really is I just have an eagerness and passion and desire for people to know Jesus. I care more that they know Jesus Christ and they know my political ideologies than my opinions than anything else. I want them to know Jesus. And it's from that eagerness and desire that I've discovered so much about who I am. I just can't help but think, man, there are some dormant gifts in the room. There are some people who really question, who am I? That every single morning they wake up and they ask themselves that question, I don't know who I am. Think about it this way. Maybe it's that you don't know, it's just you haven't discovered yet. That it's gonna start with you saying yes to the Lord. It's gonna start by you remembering why you're even here. Man, some of you are here this morning because at one point, maybe not now, but at one point or another, you recognized and had the revelation of how good and how big our God is. That Jesus Christ is our savior. And from that, it brought you to a place of not just repentance, but embracing him. 
some of you, God wants, to, God wants to bring you back to that. So let me tell you something. When all of us become unified, when all of us become eager and desire to serve the Lord and to serve others, is when we become unified under the purpose and plan that God created the church for in the beginning. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us here. And here's the coolest part. This is something that even I at times, I miss, is I've created some of the strongest relationships, some of my very best friends, from the simple fact that two of us just were eager and, and had a desire to serve God. We just started serving together. It's incredible the bonds that can be created even within the church. Going back to that terminology, that's why they call it brothers and sisters in Christ. I didn't realize the incredible bond I had with my sister until later on in life, but I'm so thankful for that. There's nothing that really replicates that. The same with my wife, and it all comes from a relationship. I see a lot of young people in the room. You know, right now, the church can teach you a lot about marriage. The church wants you to ask you to be selfless, not think about you, but think about others and serving others. Guess what? That's all what marriage is about. Marriage is no longer about me or I, it's about us and we. And the church gives you that opportunity right now, young people, to really understand not just that the, the, the reality of life is us and we, but also who you are. There are some special gifts. And don't for one second think the church doesn't need it because it does. You guys are awesome. I'm done yelling. Heads bowed and eyes shut. Man, I just get so passionate about this. Because I do remember personally what it was like for me when I was comparing myself to people, when I refused to celebrate others because of my own bitterness, and when I didn't know who I was. And I just think for some of us in the room this morning, God wants to shift that. God wants to take that lie, that battle that you have every single time you get on your phone by comparing yourself to others. The bitterness and resentment that you feel like God doesn't care about you, but he cares about other people more. And that frustrating question of who am I? Just because you have a, a career or vocation doesn't mean you know who you are. God has called you to more than that. So what I wanna do is all I wanna do is simply pray for you with nobody looking around. 